Hello everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Set Tools podcast by Infosec Campus. This episode we have Simon Bennett with us. Um Simon has authored OWASP Zap Proxy. If you're into application security testing, you must have used or heard about this tool and his amazing contribution to open source security community. Let's hear from him. Thanks Simon for joining the uh call. Uh, I think it's great to hear from you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, every security professionals in the industry have their own story of uh, how did they begin their career in in information security. So, I would like to start um the conversation by uh, jumping into that straight away. How how did it all started for you in information security? Sure. Um well, I would say um I led a small development team uh, working on web applications. um and i've had no security training um so you know i'd heard of sql injection and cross site scripting i'd come across various security concepts before uh, but i said no formal training and one of the app- applications that we were developing uh was considered business critical so i made sure that uh, we got a pen test uh, run on it and that found vulnerabilities that i'd never even heard of like cross site request forgery Uh, so at that point I decided I needed to learn more about security and I must admit at that time and to be honest I still think that security is just one of the attributes you want robust applications to have so it's like performance scalability usability all of these things so I didn't see security as anything particularly special it was just something I didn't really know enough about and so I it was something I wanted to learn Uh so one of the pen testers pointed me at OWASP which I hadn't heard of before the open web application security project. Uh so I started off looking at the OWASP top 10 which is a really great introduction to application security. But I also started playing around with tools. Um so I found a lot of tools um sort of playing with them tools like web scarab and tool called Paros. And Paros was the tool which I Paros proxy that was a tool which I I kind of liked I got used to that and I found it was fun you could see what was going on quite easily and allowed you to play around with things uh but there was a few things that irritated me about it so I started making little changes um the very first one was just duplicating one of the right click options I can't remember which it was either the site tree or the history tree had you could um resend a request but you couldn't in the other tab and that kind of annoyed me so I just duplicated the uh, the code and made sure I could um invoke the resend dialog from both and that was where I got started really so I started playing around with that and uh had my own little fork that I was uh, messing around with and slowly improving and I started um giving talks and presentations to other developers and QA people where I worked explaining about security and uh, the OWASP top 10. And one of the first questions that everybody seemed to ask was what tools should we use? So I decided I'd do it properly, I had a look around for tools and tried to find something I would thought would be suitable for everybody to get started with. And I kind of I wanted something that was going to be free. Uh I knew that I'd have if I tried to get all of our developers and pen and um, QA using a security tool then it would be difficult to justify spending a lot of money um so I wanted it to be free I wanted it to be open source um because I think that's important um and I wanted it to be cross platform as well I didn't have to be too sophisticated it just had to be able to do the basics and I looked around and I couldn't find anything that I thought was really suitable 
And the closest thing was Paros, or rather the closest thing was actually the version of Paros that I was messing around with. So I decided to uh, formally fork Paros, re renamed it the Z-Attack Proxy, always known as Zap, and I released it. And that was what I suggested people started to use, and uh, people seemed to like it. So that's, that's how I got started, really. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that sounds interesting. I mean, uh, so, so uh, Zap Proxy was the first security tool that you developed? Yeah, very much so. Uh, and really, it was. Um, I actually really. I started playing around with it because I wanted something that I I could use for testing my own applications. Uh, I was developing web applications. I wanted to be able to test them manually, and I also wanted to automate the testing as well. Uh, I remember I was actually. Um, I developed uh, an access control system, and I kind of designed it, and I implemented it, and I did all the um, testing on it before the pen testers had a chance to look at it. And there were so many combinations, it was really painful. Um, and I thought there must be a better way, there must be a way of automating this. Um, but I knew that um, Zap, as it was then, wasn't capable. Um, and there were so many things that would need to happen before it was going to be able to test things like that. But over the years, um, we've been adding to it, and Zap is certainly capable of doing that sort of testing now in an automated fashion. So the automation was something that was very important to me, as well as the manual side. Um. I understand that you started your, your career as a developer and then you switched to uh, securities by looking into different uh, uh, vulnerabilities reported into the softwares and that excited you to build a tool uh, like Zap, Zap Proxy. Um, I'm wondering um, how did you visualize the, the possible test cases of a pen tester uh, being on the other side of the uh, game because you, you were a developer, right? So how did you mm. uh, visualize uh, okay, the, the pen tester would be requiring these kind of features in a, in an attack proxy. How did that fall in? Uh, that's, I mean, that's part of the, the learning process, really. I mean, one of the fun things with developing tools is um, it helps you learn. And I think learning is really important. And I think it's impo important to learn all the time. Um, so I'm still learning as a developer and I'm learning as a security person as well. Um, and it's very interesting to kind of to have an insight into how an application works when you develop it, but also um, have an insight in, and try and work out how it can be attacked and trying to um, put that different hat on and understand um, that people will be looking to try and break your application or an application and work out all the different things you could do uh, which could cause problems. Excellent. Um, so after you... you um build your career in, in information securities now when you when you develop applications um what changes you in in ways of approach uh, so i mean all of my developments now or most of it is um on zap i do develop various other uh, security tools or um scripts for mozilla as well um so um, yeah i mean i don't tend to develop the same kind of software that i used to I was um, previously developing very large, scalable web applications, and now I'm developing something that's more akin to a desktop tool, uh, although we're changing that. Um, so so I think I'm developing less, but I'm doing more security work now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so out of your, your daily job, um, you, sp you must be definitely spending a very good amount of time in building uh, Zap Proxy's new features. Um, because I've been seeing Zap proxies have been evolved uh, over the last years. Um, how how did you manage your time slot? Um, Whether the the you find it regular excuses that okay, I mean I'm tired of the weekends and I'll take rest. How did you how did you keep up that passion? 
Well, luckily, I'm not the only work person working on Zap anymore. Uh, we've got a growing team, so a lot of people working on it. Most of them are working in their own time, or you know, a few a few of us are able to work in um, during our work hours as well. I'm very lucky. Uh, I work at Mozilla, and Mozilla um, essentially sponsored me to work on Zap. And I can't spend all my time on Zap, but up to about 50% of my time at the moment is spent on Zap. Um, not all of that time is spent coding. Uh, there's a lot of work to do in managing a, a relatively large project like Zap. Uh, but we've got a lot of people working on, on Zap. And we have, um, over the years, quite a few students have worked on Zap as well, um, either through um, projects like Google Summer of Code or um, Mozilla Winter of Security, or just um, through uh, prop school um, college projects as well. So one thing that Zap is a very important aspect of Zap is the community. We want yeah. people to get involved. We want people to feel that it's their tool, something that anyone can get involved with. And we're always very keen to hear about people um, who are new to either security or development, but who want to get involved and who want to make Zap better. And so it's ideal for student projects. So I've had a lot of students approach me directly or through um, official um, uh, initiatives like Google Summer of Code, as I mentioned, and we can always find things for people to work on. So a lot of um, students have worked on projects and some of those are actually cause app features now. So uh, a lot of the pro um, improvements you'll have seen in Zap over the years have been, uh, no thanks to me, um, but you know, a lot of other people get involved now, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely see a large uh, amount of community support to Zap uh, proxies in terms of uh, contributions. Um, um, like, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Google Summer Code or other ways as as well. For a college student, uh, what would be the, the easiest approach to actually reach out to you to start working on maybe a maybe a master project on uh, adding an advanced features in, in Zap proxies? Is Google, uh, is Google Summer Code is the, the uh, gateway to get through uh, the development of uh, Zap proxies or, or do you accept... Uh, people actually reach out to you directly for maybe adding a new features. How, how do you handle that? As Google Summer of Code is a great initiative. Um, so that's sponsored by Google and students get paid to work on open source projects, not just Zap. Um, so that's really good, but there's only a limited number of um, places available. Um, and we've got two Google Summer of Code students working on um, Zap right now. They're working on WebSockets, um, scanning and also authentication detection and configuration which will be really useful um, so but people can students can get in contact with me via email or via the zap developer group or twitter anyway you know i'm, I'm fairly easy to find online so uh, however they you know it really doesn't matter okay great uh, yeah i mean that would be very useful for for definitely a large community students to um contribute to open source tools like especially like a large product like um uh, zap proxy and and when did you take this uh, Zap proxy to uh, OWASP? How did that happen? So uh, I, you know, I, when I started um, learning about security, OWASP was obviously one of the um, main websites and organisations I started looking at and learning from. And I saw that they had a load of security tools, and I thought it would be, you know, Zap would fit in quite well. But I was also aware that they had a tool called Web Scarab, which there's a lot of overlap. Um, now, I had a look at Web Scarab, um, but I didn't like it as much as Paros. I, I, it seemed quite confusing to me and difficult to use, and I really wanted a tool that was easier to use, and I thought it'd be easier to 
even though WebScarab had more functionality than Paros, I thought it'd be easier to add functionality to Paros rather than um, try and make WebScarab e easier to use. Uh, but I submitted um, Zap to OWASP anyway, and I didn't hear anything for a few months, so I kind of assumed that, that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, but I think the um, project manager was very busy, busy at the time. But they finally got back to me and Zap was accepted, which was a bit of a surprise, um, but very good news. And actually noticed the number of downloads jump as soon as Zap was uh, accepted into OWASP and that definitely helped with the promotion. Um, so so um, I think uh, we can, can we say um, uh, Zap Proxy was like a predecessor of uh, Paros? I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's a fork of Paros. Um, so there's still some Paros code uh, within Zap. I think it's something like eighty or ninety percent of the code base is now new. Yeah, uh, because you have added uh, way too much features now. I think it's it's yeah, amazing. I think I've I've seen Paros in my initial days. Um, I've used it a few times. Um, then yeah, definitely used uh, WebScarab and Zap proxies as well. And then I've seen Zap proxies have like grown up in terms of maturity level and a very very mm -hmm. advanced features to comp. You know to be uh, very competent enough with uh, any other um, uh, uh, proxy tools and also capable of handling uh, modern web applications. Yeah, I mean, I think the we know that Zap could do better with modern web applications. Um, so we've actually got an intern starting at Mozilla who's going to be helping us work on that. Um, so that's an area we def we're definitely focusing on right now. Yeah, great. Uh, so, for uh, do you do you have any suggestion for people who actually want their their project to be added into OWASP uh, listing? Uh, how how did that process? It's it's actually very straightforward. Um, there's a, a link on the OWASP website somewhere, or there's a there's a there's a fairly straightforward process for getting your project accepted. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to understand that. Getting a project accepted is one thing, but the hard part is actually maintaining it and keeping it going. Yeah. I think it's very easy for people to start projects, but then they kind of get bored with them um, and they, they kind of leave them to, to rot. Whereas the most important thing is, you know, if you decide to start a project and want it to be long lived, you just got to keep plugging away at it. Yeah, that, that's very correct. I think I've, I've also seen people actually build something and then... Some people even even raise this uh, question that okay I'm not, I'm not actually getting any community support or nobody contributing to me then they just reach that saturation point and then just leave the project just as as it is and it's it's yeah. kind of dead after that yeah I mean I think it's it's it is tricky to get people involved I mean we're always looking for um, get more people involved in Zap there's uh, always loads more to do uh, but it's you know particularly early on it's difficult for a project to to get that um, momentum going. I think we're lucky now we've got a lot of people involved in Zap and a lot of people using it. But for a new security tool, it's tricky um, to get that toehold. And I think it's, you know, if you want to get a started in open source tool development, joining an existing tool, whether it's Zap or another one, is actually a really good way of doing it. It's a great experience. Um, but I wouldn't want to put people off um, launching their own tools as well. You know, we need, it's always good to, to have more tools available and solving different problems in different ways. Yeah, I think a different uh, approach also. I think um, some people have their own ways to actually, you know, uh, look into an applications and solve their issues. Um, they can definitely mm -hmm. build their own tools. 
uh, but it's just the hesitation to start like building something and solving a problem by means of code because I, I, you probably must must have heard this a lot of security people have um, somehow have a hesitation to write code and then have an automation uh, going on um, probably because yeah they, they are they don't uh, want to write it because they are um, yeah the excuses us excuses are like too many uh, to <laughs> start doing something but uh, if people yeah. who have done this I have a great inspiration to other community people to look up to the code and see that okay they have written like different code levels yeah I think it's difficult um, if you're not used to developing code there's one thing knocking up some sort small scripts to do little things but once you start working on a big, bigger project you have the structure and the code the code in such a way that it's maintainable and performs well and does everything it's expected of so working on a large project or starting a large project is actually quite yeah. difficult yeah uh, so you know if you if you're if you are a pen tester and you want to learn more about development and getting involved in Zap or another security tool, I think it's really valuable because we can help you understand um, how to do that. And you can, and we're finding that with some of the people who get involved with Zap, they look at the code, code base and go, well, where do I start? I don't know what to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, Zap has a fairly large and sprawling code base now, which is built up over the last eight years or so. So what we try and do is help people focus on particular areas so in just one small thing as i said before you know I, I started by just adding one right click menu to paros that's all i did so and i was an experienced developer at that stage so there's no harm in taking you know a very small change just making one very small fix or feature um addition and that's a great place to start you can just go on from there yeah, I was excited when you announced. Uh, uh, I actually keep track of like what um, Zap Proxy's announcements, and I I follow that. Uh, it's it's interesting to see the uh, new features adding on, and I was quite interested about uh, when you when you announced the um, you, you know the CI/CD pipeline uh, plugins uh, for Jenkins, and that was amazing. Yeah, I mean that's a great example of something where we've actually that was actually developed by somebody else. So it wasn't developed as part of the Zap Core team at the time. Um, but we saw this plugin was developed. Um, I think somebody developed one first, and then somebody else came along and um, decided it wasn't particularly well done and wasn't being maintained. So they developed their own one, and we reached out to them. Um, it's guy called Garan and he was delighted to be um, inducted into the Zap core team so we're very happy to pull in code from other people and you know if you want to get into the Zap core team a very quick way is to um, well quick I don't know about quick but uh, one way is to develop something like this um, a plug-in for another system uh, or a significant enhancement and we're always happy to adopt those things and the people who develop them are kind of you know then join us and uh, help make Zap the, the Zap ecosystem better. Yeah, uh, that's a great approach as well. Uh, that you are very open in terms of like contributions. Uh, yeah, that that's great. Yeah, one thing that I wanted to ask you is this: um, when in the initial days, of course, your your focus was it needs to be like cross-platform. Any anyone needs to be able to use it, um, make it like simple as possible. Um, but now Zap proxies. Uh, uh, is is quite a big code and a big architecture itself. Uh, what was the yeah. new challenges that you're facing in terms of designing new uh, features? Uh, usability has always been 
a problem. Um, and I think that's across all security tools uh, because when it comes down to it, what we're doing a lot of the time in security is not, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive. We're not doing the obvious things. We're dealing with the edge cases um, and all the, the, the kind of the weird things that people can try and do. So to make that easy to understand and usable has always been a problem. Uh, we definitely found that people were getting overwhelmed by all of the options. We originally had all of the tabs were visible um, and it was just overwhelming. So we've changed that so that there's only a limited number of tabs available now by default. Some tabs like um, the WebSockets tab will just appear if WebSocket messages are detected. So you'll see these tabs kind of appearing as they're needed. Or you can, um, there's a little green plus on you know, in various places where you can add the the, um, the hidden, you can show the hidden tabs. Uh, but, you know, we are aware that as we add more features, it impacts the usability. And one thing with Zap, there's loads of right-click options, uh, which some people don't realize. Um, and we try and add things there because it allows us to add more context-sensitive features. So you can highlight something and right-click it, and then you'll get the option to fuzz that particular string. Uh, but it is those are things that people are new to Zap probably don't realize. So what we're trying to do is make Zap easier to understand for people who are new to security tools. Uh, but then as they learn more, there are more features to discover. But we are, you know, we are one thinking about Zap and trying to work out new interfaces, new ways of um, allowing people to interact with it. So uh, stay tuned for more, more on that later. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for, for any uh, students or for anybody in the community who wants to actually start contributing to Zap uh, a proxy project, uh, what would you recommend them to have an experience, uh, a background experience or a background knowledge in terms of coding platforms or the, the, the technology that they're using? What would you recommend them? Well, in some ways, I don't think, you know, we try and make it as easy as possible. And I don't think you need a huge amount of knowledge. It would help to have some development experience or some security experience, one or the other. If you've got both, great. Uh, but when I started SAP, I didn't have any security knowledge at all. So we're very happy for developers who want to learn about security to get involved or security people who want to learn about development. Either of those is fine. A lot of the Zap code base is written in Java, but we now support um, a lot of scripts, a lot of scripting languages. Um, so we've got Python and Ruby and Groovy and JavaScript. So you can extend Zap in all of those languages. So if people don't want to use Java, um, there's plenty of other languages they can use. Um, I think the most important thing is actually a desire to get involved and a desire to learn. If you've got those, then you can get involved and you, you can do useful things. Those are the most important things. You know, I'm, I'm absolutely of the view that learning by doing is the best thing. So if you want to learn about security, just get stuck in and, um, you know, I, I learned a lot more about cross-site scripting by trying to write the rules to detect cross-site scripting. You know, the, it's a great way to learn getting involved in a tool like Zap. Yeah. And the, there's so many different aspects of Zap. Um, you can focus on different things. And whenever someone gets in touch with me and says they'd like to get involved, I try and find out what they're interested in and help them to decide what they want to do. You know, there's a, and if someone comes up with some really bizarre ideas, well, great. You know, we're not a commercial um, company. We're not trying to make money out of this. We're happy to help people, uh, you know, 
take Zap off in different directions or do strange things, and some of them won't work, some of them will, and some of them, you know, not many people use, and others will be used by loads of people. That's true. Thanks for joining the podcast uh, again. Um, before we wind up the sessions, um, I would like your definitely uh, good advice or good good comments to the whole community. A lot of people out there want to uh, hear from tool authors directly, but they may not have the opportunity to do that. Uh, but that's how I, the the whole idea of of my podcast actually started. Uh, so so um, definitely, a community wants to hear from you in terms of what inspires you still going on, um, or uh, people out there want to create tools uh, or they want to get into tool writing. I, I personally know people actually written like they they created a GitHub repository, but they still not started it yet. <laughs> uh, this is like someday we will do do codings or someday we will push code in in that. Uh, but something actually stopping there. Um, a gap I wanted to actually clear is this one. Like they, they are a lot of people are hesitant. Myself, including, uh, were hesitant to actually push code GitHub because people out there definitely see it and maybe judge me <laughs> on the level of coding nonsense that I have. Um, so uh, a tool author like uh, you would be definitely a good inspiration for the whole community to start building um, tools and solve problems by means of automations. Um, so, what do you want to say about that? Uh, I think the main thing is that get started, try something out, and try and find a community that you feel happy in. What we try and do within Zap is we try and encourage people. We don't try and criticize them too much. We've got high standards. We try and we're trying to help people to actually make their code better and make it um, more effective. So, I think that's the what it's important to understand is that you're on a journey and the the first step is the hardest step to take once you start it gets easier over time i was actually really nervous making my code public this is the first open source project i've ever worked on and actually i created this um, username called sign on uh, and that wasn't associated with my real name or anything because i wasn't sure whether well, I wasn't even sure whether I'd be breaking the law in some cases about releasing a security tool. I wasn't sure whether security professionals would laugh at what I was doing, saying how rubbish it was. Uh, and, you know, I've made plenty of mistakes. Um, and you can go through the um, my pull requests and see all the criticism other people have made. And that's fine. It's, <laughs> the important thing is to, to learn. As I said, find a community where you feel happy, which isn't too critical and is supportive and helps you um, actually get better. And as far as I'm concerned, this is all about learning. And I'm learning all the time. And I still make mistakes. And in fact, the mistakes you make actually help make you better. As long as you learn from them, then sometimes you learn more from your mistakes than your successes. So get started, try it out. Uh, you know, you've got nothing to lose. And in the end, it's actually much better to try, um, to try and maybe try and fail rather than never try it at all. But if you keep going, you will be successful. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Simon, for joining the call and sharing sharing the experience, sharing thank very, you. very wonderful experience. I hope uh, the communities uh, will definitely get inspired with this. It was a pleasure. Uh, great talking to you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. That was Simon Bennett, uh, author of OWASP Zap Proxy. We will speak to you in the next episode with another exciting tool author and his experience. Goodbye.